Welcome to the In The Moment Podcast with Tanya and Esther. Each episode will bring captivating and insightful information as we walk the path toward healing from inside out. Now, here are your hosts, Tanya and Esther. Hi guys, welcome back to In The Moment Podcast, to episode two. So how was your past week? So my week actually was interesting. I went on a road trip. So I had been working with my therapist. I have been working on forgiveness letters. So my therapist and I, I had to go back to the place where it all began. So it's like I was like a full circle back around for me to deliver my forgiveness letter because I wanted to stop repaying my past because I felt like, you know, with me going back or even thinking about it, you know, it replays over and over in my head. I feel like by me repaying my past, it was costing me something. And I wanted to use my mental health energy to create something new. So I went back and I gave all the people who I had hurt forgiveness letters. And I was nervous and I was scared at first. And actually it was amazing experience it was inviting it was warm it was welcoming and God with that allowed me to take responsibility and accountability for what I have done but then at the same time I felt like he reintroduced me to another part of me mm-hmm. that I never knew was there so I thank God that that moment was a moment that he reintroduced me to another side of me when I, it's like I let everything go, you know, and I left it there where it was. I didn't take it back with me in the car and I didn't try to analyze it and I didn't try to fix it. I just left it right there where it was. So that was my amazing week. So how was your week? I love that for you. So I started a new job, so it's like changing my schedule, coming up with a new routine has been a struggle, honestly. Okay. Yeah, just starting school, work. So just switching up my routine has been a struggle, but I'm finding what works, what doesn't, and creating a structure and a routine. Yeah, and this week went by really fast. Wow. It's been pretty good apart from that. So you're working on, so has it been like a big transition for you? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's similar, but different. Okay. But I like it. I like this transition. That's good. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for the new journey we both are on in the beginning. So for all those who do not know, May is the month of mental health. And mental health means a lot to Esther and I both. Right. So we are going to be talking to you guys about finding because I got asked this question and it was a really good question about finding a good therapist that fits and different attachment styles so that's what we're going to be talking with you guys about on this episode like May is a time to raise awareness for those living with mental and behavioral health issues just as you said and help reduce the stigmas that a lot of people experience for their mental health. Because I know for me, 
I, because I have, I can only speak, I have struggled, especially with depression, really, really bad, where mm-hmm. I wanted to, like, end it, just end it all. But I didn't think at the time, that's why mental health is so aware, and you got to check on your strong friends, the ones that is always there for you, you know, they sure. need pouring into also, because I didn't think about which I thank God that God did not allow me to be successful because I didn't think about the impact that it would have had on my family, especially. I didn't think about that. I was just thinking about my hurt, my pain, and I just wanted all to stop. I wanted all to end. So I thank God for just intervening for me that it wasn't for successful and allow me to experience him in a different and a profound way like never before that it's like he reached down and caught me and just he just pulled me back like pulled me pulled me back until I came back to myself and I get to experience myself in a profound way so mental health is very important right so true Um, I'm so thankful for your journey as I said like the last episode how do you think you've changed looking at mental health from um, like when you were younger and now like how has that changed how you look at it for me i think i look at mental health so different because before i was against it i was against talking to someone mm-hmm. because how i was raised i guess and how i was raised like i don't know it was, it was like a negative thing to talk to someone it's like you'd be it's like you stigmatize as being crazy or something wrong with you, you know, or medication, you know, you're going to get put on medication. So when I was younger, that was my, I think even as into adulthood, I always had that, that thought or, and I thank God for my relationship with God too. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like God can bring you through. And that's true. Don't get me wrong. That part is true. But sometimes you also need God and you need therapy. And they work hand in hand, you know, right. with each other, because there's some stuff that, you know, you can do on your own, but so much. And then sometimes you need that extra push that you need from your therapist or someone to hold you accountable. Because that's how I see my therapist. She holds me accountable for the things that, you know, we talk about or like I want to work towards. So I think we really need that extra that extra push how about you so how has it been from you you know growing up to now as far as your view of mental health yeah I could 100% relate to what you're saying I feel like even like a couple of years ago like a decade ago there was a huge stigma compared to now definitely coming from like an African background <laughs> I feel like it's kind of similar but I think it's it might be it was probably worse Cause yeah, there was definitely a huge stigma, and I'm aware where it comes from. Cause there was like a lot of you know trauma and past, and people probably don't want to visit that because it could be painful and uncomfortable. But yeah, I think it's changed a lot. Cause I never even you know when I was a kid, I was like I didn't know what mental health was, but now I think I'm starting to be more aware. Like how we talked about during the first episode how mental health is just as big as physical health, if not bigger. 
It's true. So you and I have been talking because I got asked this question. I was telling you about the question I got asked about how to find a good therapist. Right. <laughs> so I was talking to my therapist because I was talking to her about it. And what I have been learning that to find a good therapist, there's different one. There's different website. There is Psychology Today and there's Mental Health Match. Okay. And with Mental Health Match, you can choose your therapist based on their age, their race. And you can also do different activities while you're doing therapy. Like if you want to dance or sing, you can actually do that while you're doing your therapy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. And this platform, which I like, what is the amazing thing about it is that it also allow you to choose whether you want to, whether they accept insurance or whether you want to do self-pay. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then what the wonderful thing is you also get to match it based on your budget. You get wow. to choose your budget. Yeah, I like so, that. And then for some people also who's out there that might not have insurance, sometimes you also can call the therapist's office and they also have financial assistance that you can use to also pay for therapy. Wow, I did not even know half of those things. Yeah. So when I was talking to my therapist and I was asking her because I know you and I both got two different experiences. So for me, this is my first time talking with someone. And for you, you going through a transition of you have spoken with someone to trying to find someone. Right, right. Because it's tough for me because every time I move, since I started like several years ago and I've moved a few times, I have to start all over. It's funny because I'm going through that process right now. And so we're applying all this that we're learning and I'm learning in real time, which I think it's so cool. So I'm, yeah, I'm actually like in that process. So what have been your challenges so far finding a therapist? So far, so I had a session with a therapist and, okay, let me start from the beginning. So I've had really good experiences with most of my therapists, like in the past several years. But since I moved here, it wasn't that great because, so I just started seeing one and there were uh, like several red flags. Right. So the first is like, the diagnosis was so quick for me. Right. And I felt like they didn't take time to get to know me and I did not feel comfortable. And right. they didn't get time to, I feel like, because I was talking to my sister and she's becoming a psychologist and there's a process, there's certain tests that they're supposed to run before they, they're so quick to come to a diagnosis. So that was one red flag. And right. I didn't feel like she was, she was truly listening. <laughs> like she was falling asleep when I was talking to her. So it was, yeah, it was just terrible. See, my therapist, when I was asking her, like a lot of people, for those who are having a hard time, you know, <laughs> matching the right therapist, she said that, you have to get, you know, therapy session at least four times because your sister, right, the therapist has to take an assessment on right. you and trying to figure out which route they want to take. And then you also, when you go there, have to be honest and open and let the therapist know what you want 
out of the sessions that you're having, like the goal you want to work towards, right? And then also, if you not, she was saying, if you don't feel comfortable or if your therapist is doing something wrong, you should bring awareness to that therapist and that therapist shouldn't take offense to it. They should be like, okay, if this is not working, then we can try, you know, something else. And she was saying also yeah. that a good therapist would, if they're not the perfect fit, will also refer you to someone else. That's exactly what I was about to say, because my sister told me that too, because there's a part where she said, I cannot understand your cultural background. And I felt like that was a chance for her maybe to refer me. So that's a great point. Yes, because I heard this doctor, she was saying that a lot of therapists, you know, whether they're African-American or Caucasian, should be become more culturally aware mm -hmm. because it is a struggle when you have to explain to someone about, you know, being Listen. the color that you are or, you know, your race and your gender and stuff. So it's good that some of the psychologists become more more diverse culturally yeah. so that it doesn't have to be like, well, I have to talk to a black person or I have to talk to the white person because they understand more as the person's more culturally diverse into cultures and knowing about the backgrounds and stuff. So you don't feel like you have to explain or justify how you're feeling. Right. And that was like the first time running into that. Like I said, previously I've had like, you know, different races and I've had like great experience with that, but I'm not letting that stop me. That's well, it's good. hard, but I'm not letting that stop me. That's good. And I'm glad you say that because that's the key point. That's why my therapist said, at least give it, you know, four chances. And if that person, not the one continue going and can mm -hmm. continue doing research, continue asking questions, even if you can, before you, you know, meet with the therapist or when you do, do meet with the therapist, because, and then you got to also make sure that the therapist is actually, so say you had a bipolar disorder or uh, depression that that's they feel, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? That they're, you know, working in. So you want to make sure that you match that up based on whatever your issue that you want help with. Right. I like that, yeah. that you could even like filter more, like get precise help that you need. So that yeah. saves time and money. That does. That does. So true. So I also want to touch on a little bit based on because with the help us with our mental health is something that I'm learning is about attachment styles. Right. And attachment style is us uncovering our tendency and pattern on how we connect with people in our lives. Right. Yeah. I was doing research as well. And my definition, what I found was so your primary attachment style is created like the first few years of your life, how you bonded to your caregivers and your family and those around you. And that mm. kind of carries on throughout your life. That's interesting. Yeah, like I was talking to my sister and she was saying how your relationship with your parents or caretaker, most of your parents is one of the strongest bonds you'll have in your life. So it plays a huge role into your relationships. So it's like you taking that attachment style of your childhood and you bringing it into your adulthood. It's the same attachment style into. So you make that environment 
the same environment that you had as a child. Exactly. And it's so interesting because you know how people, they'll say, oh, your spouse is like your parent, you know, like the opposite parent. Right. Because subconsciously, we don't know when we're like looking for a romantic relationship. We're subconsciously looking for our mom or dad or yeah. It's very That's- interesting. That is so true. That is so true. Because my husband actually have some ways like my dad. Like, Yeah. You know, so that is so true. That is so true. So what are the different attachment styles that you was learning about? So I've learned so far there's secure and insecure. Then for insecure, there's three main attachment styles. In the 1970s, there was a psychologist named Mary Ainsworth, and they conducted a famous study, this strange situation. So it was between toddlers between 12 and 18 months, left alone in a room with a stranger. So for the secure attachment, the baby engaged engaged with the parent after the parents left them. They were happy to see their parent. Then for the anxious attachment style, the baby was distressed after the mom came and they were not able to calm down as fast. It took them longer. Okay. Then for the avoidant attachment, when the mom came back, they were just indifferent. They didn't even realize the parent had left. They could care less. The baby does not engage with the parent. Then for the disorganized one, the baby was confused because they crave intimacy, but they're also scared of the parent. And the baby either completely shut down or they over-exaggerated. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, right? It's like That's that early from yeah. So what I have been learning, because I even, you know, talk with my therapist and I've been doing different research. So for the secure attachment style, and this is based on a relationship, so you guys can see which one are you with the secure attachment style, the person is less anxious, they're satisfied in their relationship. They have an easy time forming a connection. They have an easy time reaching out for comfort. And they have no problem asking for help or sharing the knowledge and information that they have. And for avoiding attachment style in a relationship, that person is emotionally detached. They like to process their emotion on their own. They do not like sharing their vulnerability. They intend to pull away when they need people the most or when they need help the most. They shut down in an argument and close off their feelings. So that's avoidant attachment style. And then for anxiety attachment style in a relationship, that person is more worried about the relationship. They are more emotionally hungry. They desperately want to feel love and want and they usually need more reassurance from their partners, such as wanting to know if they like them and they want to feel equally loved in the relationship. And then they also look for in a partner, someone who will rescue them. So that's the anxiety attachment in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And then for the, what I, okay, so this is something that's interesting. So for the disorganized, are also what is connected to the disorganized attachment is fearful attachment that actually go hand in hand. And that is a person 
that bounce from being needy a lot and wanting a lot of attention to a person that pulls away. And then they also want reassurance, but then they also want space. And they also want unlimited love, and they also want their independence. And they get overwhelmed easily. Their mood swing is unpredictable. And one minute they're all over you, the next minute they disappear. So that is disorganized and fearful attachment style in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And I also discover, and which we will be adding to this at the end of the podcast, is this test that you can take, the dis, the attachment style test on scienceofpeople.com. So you guys can actually take the test to see which one of these attachment styles are you. Nice. Yes. So how have, for you, the attachment style affected your relationship? Yeah, it's definitely played a factor. So do you feel like you learned from it? Okay, matter of fact, which attachment style are you? I think I associate mostly with, honestly, I feel like I'm a little bit of everything, honestly. But I think mostly anxious, anxious attachment, but working towards secure. Okay. How about you? See, I think um, I used to be, which, you know, there's some tendency, it pops up. Anxious attachment, and I would say I can be avoidance attachment sometimes, especially with the argument part. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can see um, anxious and the avoidance attachment. I would say both of those. Yeah. Would, that would have been me. Both of those. And, you know, it head back up and I have to, like, remind myself about I'm working towards trying to make a secure, you know, relationship. So that's something that I have to remind myself. Yeah, I feel like when, most people are, like, usually, like, you know, on a grade, like a scale. So I feel like most of us have like a little bit of, yeah, itch attachment style. Because for the attachment style, for me, which what I'm learning, because because a lot of us, because attachment even could be attachment to persons, a per- to attachment to things, and not only your relationship with your partner, it also can be a relationship with friends that you encounter, you know, different mm-hmm. people, because. If we don't know our attachment style, what end up happening is we keep drawing in the same people. Was right. it a friendship or rather a relationship? We tend to draw in the same people. So if you're a person that have avoidant attachment style, we have to be very mindful and careful with that. Yeah, so true. So that's, that's a wonderful thing that I'm glad we are talking about it because like for me, I can say like attachment, like I have the tendency... Because, you know, us women, we incubate things. We carry things. I can say for me, I... So um, that's why I'm glad we are talking about the different attachment styles. Because I do have that tendency. I have to grab it. I have to hold on or gravitate to it. Yeah. And your attachment style could change too. Because it could go from... If you're anxious before and you're with a secure partner in, in a romantic setting. And I'm pretty sure I'm like friendship settings as well if you're around secure people it could change to secure and the opposite so it's cool to know that it can change and your brain is malleable yeah that's true that is so true 
That is so true because, and that's why we have to be careful and be aware. And that's the, that's the beautiful thing when you're aware of it, mm-hmm. because we tend to draw and we end up being with men and women or being with a partner that we have to fix. And it's not our jobs as women to fix a man. And it's not our job as women to have to raise a man. But if we don't know our attachment style, that end up happening because we don't know our attachment style. So true. And vice versa too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Same way for a man. It's not their job to do that. But if we don't know our attachment style, that's what we end up drawing to and pulling in into yes. our lives. And I feel like that's why they call it generation traumas. I feel like that's yes. how it kind of repeats the cycle. Like you have to break it. And it, yeah, it starts with awareness. Yes. Yes. So true. So true. So I'm so thankful that we are talking about mental health. And I'm so thankful that we are talking about the different attachment styles. So we would like for you guys to take a moment and think about the different attachment styles to see which attachment styles that you guys have so you guys can break the cycle and not only that to be more mindful and be aware of it Mm -hmm. and we also would like for you guys even you could take a moment to take this test on signsofpeople.com you could take the test to see which attachment styles you have so you can start creating a more secure relationship so you can even become a more secure person in your relationship whether it's with your friends or whether it's with your partners yeah so true yeah i think journaling is i always say like journaling is such a great tool why do you like journaling because i think it's like a physical thing you can actually see what's going on and mm. like one journey i'm still on is my nutrition journey right so that's something i actually need to practice because i've been struggling with my nutrition journey because i feel like it's all tied to mental health and i need to like start journaling more about that and actually seeing the patterns right like a lot of things with mental health is a pattern that sometimes don't realize it's a pattern just like most things in our lives and catching it when it's about to happen next and also like showing ourselves compassion and yes it's huge yes yes so true so true so we would like to end this episode right here and also we would like to remind people out there that there are help check on your strong friends because I read this quote and it says that they did not know healing can be lonely but it does not have to be it does oh. not have to be lonely we That's there sick. are help out there that you can seek help i mean so even your dear friends and if you don't if you can't get help because there's some people that does not have insurance you know that you got your church you have groups out there they have groups out there because i i remember when my sister passed away and I couldn't afford insurance. There's groups out there. Even my sister reached out to groups that dealt with grieving, you know, with grievancy. So <laughs> there are help out there. You do not have to be alone during your healing journey. You do so not true. have to be. Now, there's some time where God allow you 
to have a season of isolation. But even with that, you're not by yourself. He said he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. And he will send you someone across your path to speak and pour life into you. Amen. So, Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend a moment with us. Make sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the episode. Find us on Facebook at In The Moment Podcast, on Instagram at In The Moment Podcast 22, and email in the moment pod at yahoo.com.